0: what's up everybody welcome back to the martian and ozzy podcast this is episode four and this week we're going to be talking about the cannoneer versus gaslam card going down saturday night two days from now and what's up ozzy how you doing man
1: doing pretty good uh hot off the heels of my terrible take on jose aldo um but uh but we're here we're back again and uh we're getting ready for a main event that i never thought we would have kelvin gaslam versus uh jerry cannoneer
0: Yep, definitely not the most inspiring main event or entire card this week. You know, I think there's some decent betting spots. We'll definitely have a lot to talk about in terms of the lines, but no fights that really jump off the page as uh, exciting. But nevertheless, we'll still uh, produce an entertaining card. But just a quick recap of the last card it was two weeks ago, the UFC 265 card. Uh, I did lose on this one on official track bets, minus 1.84 units. Um, Ozzy still ended in the profit, though, right? So uh, give us a quick recap of your bets.
1: Yeah, so, uh, you know, good good overall event other than, you know, I think that that bet on, uh, like I said, on Pedro Munoz, I did uh, take that at plus 116 and he did close, you know, close basically pick him. But that fight, obviously, you know, battery there and, you know, although, you know, just a spectacular performance other than that, you know, hit on. Morales, Johnny Munoz, which was a you know just a lock there for the most part, and Jessica Penne. I told you it's women's MMA, and it's Jessica Penne. She's gonna force you to grapple with her, and uh, it was over shortly thereafter. Hit that sub prop at a plus 700 on FanDuel as well. So it was a good card overall. Um, Casey Kenny being the only other loser, but that was a very very small bet. Um, but it was pretty entertaining. I I I, I like that card for the most part, top to bottom. Um, and, and yeah, we, we move on to, uh, this week and, you know, a bunch of, you know, bunch of, uh, MMA. So you got PFL, we got, uh, Bellator and we got, uh, the UFC, which we'll be getting into right now.
0: Yep. Uh, you covered most of the stuff there. Bobby green and Fiziev was probably one of the top 10 fights all year. It was a great fight. Um, my quick recap is, uh, Michael Kiasa really made or break the night for me. I bet him plus 125. I would do that again uh, if they fought again. He just had a really stupid mistake not going for the both hooks in with the rear naked choke there. But, uh, you know, don't really regret any of the bets except for uh, Munoz and Kenny, like you said. Um, but let us that's enough of that pass card. Let's get into this card because we got 12 fights going down at the Apex. Small cage tomorrow. I think they're allowing some fans in the Apex, too, for the first time. That should be interesting. And uh, we're going to get things started in the welterweight division where we have Ramiz Brahima minus 140, taking on Sasha Palatnikov, plus 120. You can start this one off, Ozzy. What are your thoughts on this one?
1: Yeah, so we got two guys here. Um, You know, Ramez is still looking for his first uh, UFC win. Um, a guy who, you know, I think comes from a little bit more of a grappling based background. And that was definitely a strong point when I was looking at him uh for his original UFC fight. But he goes out against Max Griffin, doesn't attempt, I don't think, a single takedown against Griffin. Give that give that being said, really, really tough guy to fight um on your you know in your debut. Uh so so kind of, and you know, he did last uh, you know, for the most part until his ear ripped off his head and he had to stop stop that fight. But uh, I think he's. I would imagine here he comes in with somewhat of a different game plan uh, to to get this fight to the ground. Um, He has some talent, but he's just he. I think he has a bit of gas tank issues. I'm not sure how how good his uh, his cardio really is if he is looking to wrestle. If you see, he has a ton of submissions and wins uh, in the first round, in the first minute. He does train at Fortis MMA. He has some good training partners uh, there. But in this fight against Sasha, I'm a bit higher uh, overall on Sasha than most. I was on him uh, in that Kosi fight uh, where, I mean, you know, go back to watch that fight because that was definitely a war. But, you know, he didn't, I thought he looked okay against Impa. He was, you know, defending some of the grappling, uh, but had a crazy brain fart uh, at the end there when he got caught with that rear naked choke. But I think overall, he can keep underhooks here, uh, you know, in the fight. To, to stifle a little bit of uh, Ramiz's uh, grappling game and keep it on the feet where I think he can touch up Remiz. I think he's more aggressive. I think Remiz is a bit passive and does not have as much confidence in his kickboxing as uh, Sasha does. And Sasha has been uh, in Vegas training, I believe, at Syndicate MMA. And I think he's an interesting spot here at plus 120. I'm still seeing where the line's going to, you know, solidify at. But uh, but I I, I kind of lean Sasha here because I trust his cardio more. I think the grappling is uh, the deficiencies on him are a little overblown, and I'm gonna pick him here by uh by you know late late TKO. We'll say.
0: I like the pick. I, I agree with a the lot there. So in Brahima's pre UFC fights, I mean, he came out really aggressive, would string together a couple punches and look for that big takedown. And like you said, versus Griffin, none of that was there. I don't know if you know safe say you got in his head before the fight with some bad game plan or he kind of got the <laughs> ufc nerves or whatnot but he just didn't really fight like he did in his past fights there so he'll probably will come out more aggressive this time getting back to that that aggressive round one and he very well might win round one against palatnikov here uh, palatnikov's takedown defense really isn't good he was taken down and finished by Lazez. uh got taken down by impa got taken down by Kasi, even i think uh, possibly but as long as he can survive that round one without getting submitted, I do think that Brahima' is going to start to slow down. I think Palatnikov kind of learns as the fight goes. You know, he got taken down initially by Impa, but was already getting back up to his feet and then started stuffing some takedown attempts as that fight went on in round one. So I think that's what's going to happen here. He'll probably get taken down initially. And then I think he will start to, you know, figure out those takedown attempts, start to stuff them and start to outstrike Brahima. I definitely give the striking advantage to Palutnikov here. So I think Palutnikov should take over in rounds two or three. Uh, my only question for you, Ozzy, is are you going to be betting Palutnikov pre-fight or are you maybe going to be looking for a live entry spot on him here? Because I do think uh, Brahima's success here is going to be pretty front loaded. So what are you looking to do live bet versus pre-fight?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think the price now at plus one twenty is 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 okay. It's it's not bad. So I I will definitely end up taking some kind of nibble uh, pre fight um, you know, on him just because, you know, you never, I, I I never want to see a guy like, you know, just remiss could be a total fraud and, you know, not UFC level at all in terms of kind of like implementing his, his skills. So, you know, I just would feel terrible if, uh, if he got out of there in the first round, because I do think Sasha has some, some, uh, power. Um, but you always have to be ready for these live bet opportunities with when you identify a guy who builds, like you saw, Sasha do against Kosi and a guy who fades like uh, Ramiz definitely does
0: Yep, I like that plan too small pre-fight and look to add some more in the live lines, uh, we're in agreement on that one we're going to move on to the next fight in the lightweight division where we have Rosario Roberts as the minus 145 favorite taking on Ignacio Bajamandez as the plus 125 underdog I'll start this one off and this is a bit of a, a tough fight to break down because I think if it stays standing, Bahamundas is going to win if it goes to the grappling, um, Roosevelt Roberts is going to win. And Roberts is probably going to look like a pretty big favorite if he's able to get this fight on the floor because we haven't seen good things from Baja Mendez, And Roberts is decent on top. He's had most of his success in the UFC on top. Uh, But getting back to the striking is where I really give the advantage to Baja Mendez here. Roberts has some decent boxing, but I don't think he's really fought that many high-level strikers. The guys he's outstruck are just really low-level fighters. And he was having some trouble with the striking of... um, the Russian gentleman, Yakovlev, in round three. Uh, and he just makes some bonehead moves, you know, getting taken down by that caught kick versus Jim Miller. And, I mean, the guy got rocked and submitted by Kevin Kroom, who was just terrible. A terrible featherweight went up to lightweight on short notice and still was able to hurt and finish uh, Roberts there. I know that was a, a small sample size. It wasn't a super replicable outcome. But, come on, you got you to gotta consider that when thinking about this fight because... That was a really bad moment from Roberts there. It makes you question his whole, you know, career going forward. So Bajamandez, even though he lost that Desi fight pretty decisively, I thought he showed some good toughness. He stuck in there that entire fight. He was pumping out steady output the full fifteen minutes, even though he was getting beat up there, so I think that was a pretty good sign from Baja Mundes, and as long as he can avoid getting taken down here I favor him on uh, in the striking pretty heavily here and I don't think Roosevelt Roberts is reliable enough of a grappler to to get this fight down to the floor consistency uh, consistently so I like Baja Mundes as a dog here um it's a hard fight to be super confident in because I mentioned if he does end on his back he probably will look like a plus two three hundred underdog but if it stays standing I expect him to to cover a, a favorite pretty comfortably so uh I'll sign with Bahamandez here to win the striking and uh, win the decision. Uh, what are you thinking on this one, Ozzy?
1: Yeah, man, I think, that you know, this is a very interesting, I think, well-matched fight. You know, Roosevelt Roberts came from, I believe, that first uh, rendition of, edition of the uh, Contender Series. And he's had all his, like, most of his fights in the UFC or in Bellator. You know, he fought Tommy Aaron, who's, uh, I think, uh, what's his name, uh, Tony Ferguson's boy. But I think both of these guys would benefit from eating more steaks and potatoes because they're like six one, six two, and at you know at one fifty five, Baja kills himself to get to one fifty five. Roosevelt Robert is, Roberts has no shoulders; he's like a a bean pole. And I think he, I think he's got some good skills, man. Good attributes, and he knows what he's good at. I'll give him credit there. Um, you know, the, the Kevin Croom knockout kind of inexcusable though, you know, you can't be going in there and getting hit with a left hook when you're kind of like exchanging there. Like he didn't see that punch coming at all. Um, and you know, just some of, some of the ways and, and, you know, traps that Roberts falls into to me outside looking in, you know, makes me very dubious to ever back him as a favorite. Um, in any capacity, uh, especially here when you're going against a guy in Mondays where you know he lost the fight, that fight to McDessie was pure striking, which you know people hold against him. But McDessie is a, you know, I don't know how many fights he's had in UFC, but a, a ton of them. And Mondays oh, yeah. is like tw- yeah, 23 years old. You know what I mean? So that's an incredibly difficult fight, you know, to come into, even if you have the reach advantage and you have this and that. You know, it is it's definitely a tough fight to come into. But, you know, he has shown some deficiencies in the grappling. Um, I know he's training in Illinois. You know, I saw, like, a clip of him wrestling a little bit with uh, with B- uh, Bilal uh, Muhammad there. You know, I think the biggest issue, uh, potentially, for Bahamundays is if Roberts gets him down. I don't think he is going to maybe, like, you know, put him flat down and, you know, hold him down all that much. But the neck, you know, Roberts is is a pretty versed. I think he's a a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt. But he's a legit submission grappler. I like some of the stuff that he does, uh, both on top and on bottom. But I don't think his control is particularly that good. Um, I I remember seeing that Vince Pichel fight, them scrambling around. The Yakovlev fight, you know, them scrambling around. The Yakovlev fight. You know, he got a lot of his kind of, like, good positionings by threatening that front headlock on Yak, but Yakovlev was shooting in on him. Uh, And I think the same thing happened against Brock Weaver. That was how he was able to kind of, you know, direct the fight to where he wanted it to go. Um, But I don't really trust... Roosevelt Roberts at all here. I think that uh Bahamundes has uh, you know, much better kicks. I think he he mixes up his strikes better on the feet. And even though, you know, you can say that you think that uh his defense wasn't that great against uh McDessie, I think that some of the punches that Roosevelt Roberts throws out there are not that uh accurate or like he does not have the same kind of dexterity and you know uh, command of range in the pocket as you saw with that Kevin Croom fight, guys. When the guy shows you. That you got to take that into account, like you said. Um, he does not have as much control and comfort in the pocket, so I think that Baja Mondays you'll probably see him perform a little bit better on the defensive side uh, of things and uh and potentially keep this fight uh close. Um, I, I, I see these guys maybe clinching uh against the fence and stuff like that, um, a bit more uh than, than it just being at range or on the ground, like maybe more people see it. So I'm kind of leaning towards uh, Baja Mondays. I see totally why people uh, like Roberts here, though, uh, for sure. But just not a guy that I, I'd ever want to, or not ever, but just in a situation like this that I want to back as a favorite. So I'm looking at Baja Mondays. I think that line could get a little bit better. Um, but, you know, I'm not committed yet to, to definitely playing him, though. So
0: that, that, that's how I see that fight yep and i uh, forgot to mention if you like roberts uh, i think you should take his submission prop plus 410 i think if he's winning he's grappling and i think the sub <laughs> will look pretty live at plus 410 there so we're going to move on to uh, an elite matchup in the light heavyweight division we got william knight as the favorite at minus 175 taking on fabio charant at plus 150 and you can start this one off uh incredible incredible matchup right uh
1: i mean spectacular matchup here i mean i you know i i'm I'm a big fan of both guys for sure um (laughs) they're uh you know fabio charron i mean i i was on myron dennis i i I can't believe that fabio charron actually won a five round fight like that's crazy like think about that but uh you know came out against um menifield and you know I I don't know what he was thinking it's just you know he has a ton of holes in this game uh Sharant does but you know I think the approach that he's going to have against William Knight is probably going to be uh you know just keep his distance a little bit more pick at William Knight with that left cross and that uh, left kick that he has um because if you start grappling with William Knight he just has like an innate ability to just do things that you will not expect. You know what I mean? That, you know, and that you will end up on the, uh, the wrong side of, you know, I was all over the unjung. Uh, in that last fight against William Knight, it was a crazy price, uh, you know, that, that that was at like minus 130, but it showed everything wrong with William Knight's game. I don't think he's really dedicated too much to train like formal training, if you know what I mean, where, mm-hmm. you know, he's kind of uh, developing these skills, but the guys, you know, really strong um, you know, he's very durable for sure. And he can at any point, you know, whether it be if he's throwing a punch, whether it be, he's, you know, landing a takedown, you know, he knows that he can do damage and he usually is looking to do damage. Uh, but Fabio Chiron, you know, he is training down at Sanford MMA. Now, you know, the line has definitely been moving in his favor, uh, significantly people have been eating up that plus money, but I mean, you couldn't pay me to be on the William Knight side at, at juice. Like there's no way I do have a, small position on the over at between minus 125 and minus 135 at one and a half um because i think you know potentially you'll see some clinching here i think fabio charant uh he's not a die on my shield kind of guy uh so i don't think you know if if he is uh you know getting tagged i think he will try and clinch and you know i think that william knight will be um open to, to letting that happen so i think the over is probably the best spot here um i think a lot of people are on that as well but you know both these guys they're, they're very unpredictable and you know I, I i wouldn't you know i wouldn't feel very strongly about either of them you know to be honest so uh complete pass for me but I, if i had to pick a side i mean i think i would probably lean Knight, um just because i think that he is more likely to just be there for all three rounds and you know committed to offense the whole time
0: yeah, so Knight only really does one thing pretty well, honestly, and I didn't expect this coming into the UFC, but that is, like, offensively wrestle. Like, he did it to uh, Kamur really easily. I mean, I don't think the guy's a great wrestler or anything like that, but he, he knew how to win that fight. He knew how to exploit Kamur's weakness, and, you know, he easily out-wrestled Kamur for the full 15 minutes. Um, you know, the fights were a lot different, how they went between Chirant uh, and Kamur and Knight and Kamur, but you still got to look at the the way they dealt with Kamur there. And Sharon, I do think, is the better striker. Uh, he's got that southpaw striking, decent left hand. And William Knight just completely wings overhands. The guy has really no striking technique I've seen except for just winging overhands. I mean, the way he was uh, throwing those punches versus Daun Jung literally looked like an MLB pitcher winding up a fastball. Um so when it stays standing, I definitely give the advantage to Charant, but I, I still think that William Knight's going to bulldoze his way into the clinch, and Fabio Sharant loves going for guillotines. A light heavyweight that loves jumping guillotines is just a recipe for disaster, and I think that even if Knight doesn't have a good entry on a takedown, Sharant's probably going to make a mistake in the defensive grappling uh, like he did versus Menefield, and get put on his back. Um, so I kind of am leaning Knight as well to just out-wrestle Charant, stay on top and to be there for the full 15 minutes, like you said. But, uh, if Knight doesn't choose to wrestle here, he chooses to stand and kickbox, he probably is going to get outstruck and possibly even, uh, hurt and knocked out. Cause I don't think he's that durable. I feel like we've seen him hurt a few times in the past. So, uh. I guess the value is on Sharon. I wouldn't be laying the chalk uh, like Ozzy said on Knight, but I'm still leaning towards him. And I agree that the over one and a half is probably the best spot here. Not a big over under better myself, but the over 1.5 here definitely stood out as a good value line. And uh, I think that's going to cover it for that fight. We don't need to talk about it too much. Another incredible matchup, women's bantamweight division. We got bia malecki as the minus 160 favorite taking on Josiane nunez as the plus 140 underdog this is gonna be an incredible fight i'll start this one off and you know watching these low level women's mma fights uh coming into the ufc is awful, uh, often a painful experience but not in the case of nunez these were some fun fights to watch her beating up some some chubby brazilian women in like uh gymn high school gymnasiums, and stuff. I recommend you go watch them. Uh, especially uh, one, the one fight where she knocked this woman out with a left cross was just absolutely hilarious. I don't know if you you recognize the one I'm talking about, Ozzy, but bombs over uh, Baghdad, exactly. Um, so Nunez, the size difference though, here is going to be crazy. I think it's like seven inches of, of height and reach. I mean, Nunez is a southpaw, she probably is going to be a new look for maleki I doubt maleki has trained with many southpaws, um, but. Man, it's, it's hard to imagine that 7-inch uh, height differential and imagine Nunez landing punches on her. But Maleky's got no real defense. I mean, she's not a, a polished fighter in any area. So if it stays standing and it's a kickboxing fight, uh, Nunez has a good chance to pull off the upset. But unfortunately for Nunez, She has terrible takedown defense, terrible off her back. I mean, I've seen her held on the ground for four and a half minutes, five minutes straight, and just no ability to get off her back. So if Maleki has an ounce of sense, she's going to hit a takedown here, uh, get her on the floor, and probably keep her there. Um, But Maleki doesn't have super proven wrestling. I think a lot of her fights did end up on the ground, but it's not like she was hitting clean takedowns on her opponents. So I agree with Maleki being the favorite here. Uh, She's got the UFC experience. She trains with a better gym, and I guess She's my pick here, but I would really love to see Nunez pull off the upset. Uh, you know, outstriking her somehow here. But uh, what are you thinking about this shit show matchup, bozzy
1: Yeah, you know, complete banger of a fight for sure. Um, you know, Queen Bia. I've been a fan of her her entire UFC career. You know, I was. You know, that fight against you know she fought a, a version of Nunez and Macedo uh, before and was somehow was uh was somehow plus money there which was a great spot for her but i mean this this fight here i would think i mean bia if you see any her fights she just walks forward and doesn't really care about getting hit but this nunez girl looks like you know she's got some power like you know she definitely hits harder than uh your average i i mean the thing is this is at 135 like you would think that hey you know she's like a 125 115 like she's 135 so i guess she hits like harder uh, she'll get she hits harder than you would think she hits let's just put it like that and you know Bea is very willing to get hit but i would think that Bea, like you said you know some you know tries to get this to the ground in some way uh whether that be with you know the clinch whether that be you know uh crowding Nunez where Nunez feels like she needs to latch onto a clinch and then Bia just, you know, hits her with some hips or whatever and, you know, gets her down. But, you know, Bia should be able to, to pick pick at uh, Nunez. And then when she doesn't want to step in, you know, you know throw those knees, you know, try, try and, and you know throw some sticky punches where she can grab Nunez. Um, but, you know, I mean, this is a fight where, nunez she had like i don't see her winning a decision you know what i mean like i think bia is going to be able to either stay long or i think Bia is gonna have to get hit with a bomb at some point for her to lose this fight uh so i think her she has way more paths to victory like you said i think she has some grappling upside potentially especially if she gets on top i don't really see her being on bottom here against nunez so you know the line is moving in her favor i think it will continue to do so but you know, at a certain point, you should probably you know should probably just end up passing on the fight overall. But I think it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting fight. I don't know how many how, how much of a future Nunes has in this division at all. So I think it's safe to side with Bia here, uh, even at this like minus one fifty ish price. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I don't have to be honest, but I don't have that much on that, but yep. you know, I like, agree BIA, with BIA, like I don't even, I'm not like I, I've been telling guys, I'm not convinced be a trains day to day. You know what I mean? I'm not convinced yet.
0: That's so a good we'll point see. about uh, the no- the knockout for <laughs> Nunez. I don't see her winning this decision either, but the line for knockout is actually not even that good. It's like plus 450. Nunez I don't think stretch. that's worth a bet. But Maleki inside the distance, I mean, if she gets on top, like she actually does throw some good ground and pound. And like I said, Nunez is a zero off her back. So Maleki might get her out of there, which is like sheer enthusiasm with some ground and pound. And uh, that's going to take us to the next fight in the men's bantamweight division. We got Brian Kelleher as the minus one seventy five favorite, taking on uh, Domingo Pilarte as the plus one fifty underdog right now. Uh, you can start this one off, Ozzy. Yep.
1: Yeah. So this, you know, this is a fight where uh, it's interesting because Keller has so much UFC experience, right? He's fought Henan Burrell. He's fought, you know, a b- bunch of guys. You know, uh, John Lineker, He's fought a ton of guys, and he gets a he draws a guy in Peralta who um i think it's Owen two in the ufc still still looking for his uh first ufc win uh, and it's coming off getting knocked out by a guy in very small in stature you know like like kelleher is going to be as well you know so well, technically uh,
0: after no contest you know because Journey well, what him. did he smoke weed or Duke oh Jones, yeah you know, yep, yeah, yep he had thc in the system so, THC, so that win doesn't yeah. count that win unfortunately doesn't
1: count. i think he's from oregon so he should get a freaking pass but uh you know, Polardes just has such a big height reach advantage. People have been calling him budget rockhold, hold, uh, which, is, which is definitely accurate, but he's just not, um, he just doesn't use those tools all that well. You know, I remember he was going into that Vince Morales fight and I, and I thought Vince was going to destroy him and somehow he, you know, he's able to weather the storm and then, you know, he's like an avalanche you know uh he's kind of a kind of guy where if he gets you hurt if he gets a good grappling position you know he can he can definitely do some stuff and he's been out now i think uh almost is uh, be about 18 months now um i'm not sure where he trained i think he trains in texas i am not for this though i'm not i'm not 100 certain but you know i you know i'm from new york i know a little bit about brian kelleher i've been a fan of his but just i cannot back him like this is another you know people say they're like oh ozzy doesn't bet favorites ozzy doesn't uh, uh. Oh, but i don't lose on chalk either where you know this is where you know you overextend yourself you think hey man this guy's so much better but how i pull these guys is i kind of have like a power rankings where where like i don't really try to let let it affect me where um the guy's ufc experience if you know what i mean like even if you look at ufc experience Kellerher recently has beat Ray Rodriguez. He beat O'Day, and he's got some other win. You know, I'm not. I'm blanking on it right now. But Azure, Azure, yeah, Hunter Yeah, but, he got. Yeah. But he was losing that fight before he caught that knockout, and that was another thing I've been telling you guys. I don't really see that. That's that's the point I wanted to hit on. Um, it you often see these overreactions to some knockouts where you know Pilarde got hit dead for sure against Newsom, but. People are acting like Brian Kelleher is a knockout artist, and I do not think that is the case. Uh, you know, I don't think he's going to be able to land land that left hook. I think the left hook that he had landed on Azure is probably his best punch, but I don't really think that he is a you know a guy that has like big you know a a, a really accurate right hand or strong right hand. Um, and he's going to come into this fight. I think his best path to victory is is by submission. He's got a bad record in in decisions overall. Uh, And I think Pilarde can make this fight extremely close. The only time Keller has been a favorite has been against Ray Rodriguez and I believe Marlon Vera in his UFC career. And he lost the Marlon Vera fight and then he caught that guillotine against Ray Rodriguez. So, you know i'm not really interested in that i don't you know that doesn't mean that i'm definitely going to side with pilardi at a plus price but i'm getting interested uh soon for sure if it keeps going up and i think that uh he can stay safe in the grappling you know he's got a really long giraffe neck so i think that's his biggest uh ish- potential issue here um but i don't think he's gonna knock pilardi out and i think pilardi uh has some submission ability as well keller has been submitted often he's just you know he has a hard time making 135 there's some many red flags to me on the K- Kelleher side that I could definitely not back him at a a, a minus price here
0: I'm feeling a little more confident uh, in Kelleher than you are but I do have a concern about him losing via grappling here that's really the main way I see him losing I don't see Polarte winning in the striking because the guy just doesn't have good defense he is not used to getting hit he can't really avoid punches um and he you know he's got that tall long frame like you said kind of like Rocco but I just don't think the guy has a good chin. He's not durable, and, uh, you know, it's really hard to improve that even with his time off. Um, But when the fight is in the striking, I do expect Kelleher to be winning. And if Polarte wants to win, I think he's going to have to try to get uh, the fight to the floor, get a back take like he did against Kolarish. And you did mention Kelleher has had some trouble with with being taken down. Alcantara, Vera, um, those guys were able to get him. Even... um, he was submitted by Montel Jackson after he got hurt there, but I I still struggle to see Pilarte get in the fight into the wrestling because Kelleher is the decent defensive wrestler and I really haven't seen much wrestling from Pilarte. He usually just like slips to the back and gets a, a back take or some sort of trip takedown. I don't think that's really gonna cut it against Kelleher. I think uh, I don't even think he got out wrestled that badly by Cody Staman when when they fought and he was, you know, standing up from a lot of takedowns versus Ricky Simone. He definitely can be taken down, but I just don't rate the wrestling and grappling ability of Pilarte that highly. So I'll side with Kelleher here. Um I think he was under minus 150 for a while. I think the, the bets on them on him there were fine. But where it's at now, yeah, I do agree that I don't have much interest in playing Kelleher. I don't I don't see much value in Pilarte either. Um, so uh, I think this one probably is gonna go the distance. If it's a finish, it's probably gonna be Kelleher knockout. Um, but no really strong convictions on this one. And uh, that's going to take us to the next fight, which is the last fight on the prelims. In the featherweight division, we have Luis Saldana, who is the minus 123 favorite, taking on Austin Lingo as the plus one to three underdog. I know you got some thoughts on this one, Ozzy, so let's start this one off with you.
1: Yeah, so, you know, fight uh, here, uh, you know, Lingo was able to get on the UFC scoreboard in his last time out. Uh, when he came into UFC, you know, people were definitely a, a bit high on him, uh, you know, in that fight against uh, Zalaw. Uh, you know, he came, he was, you know, running through a bunch of guys in LFA. Um, and I think that, you know, he's got some skills. You know, I think, uh, you know, he, he, he leans on his boxing uh, more so. Uh, he's got some good, decent movement in the pocket, and he's a committed striker. Um, he trains at Fortis MMA, um, and, and he's got, definitely has some power also in his punches. Um, I was, uh, you know, Kilburn was able to take a lot of those shots that, uh, that, um. He, that lingo is putting on on him and to be honest i i, I was kind of impressed because up until that point i hadn't really seen lingo put together uh three good rounds of you know him putting out offense and landing punches and you know doing his thing but he did that there against kilburn he was there all three rounds he's putting damage on kilburn and i think in this fight against Luis al you know that that approach that he has is going to be to his benefit you know he's going to come forward he's going to be throwing punches and you know i think uh uh saudania is not going to like the pocket exchanges that lingo is going to force and then i don't really see where um saudania is going to rack up you know, offense that he is really comfortable with. You know, he saw that Vince Murdoch fight. Vince Murdoch is a 135-er who should probably fight maybe even be like 115. Like, he's a tiny guy. And Saldana was able to tune him up with those leg kicks, with those front kicks. He was styling on that guy. Um, and overall, you know, it's just his career is not impressive. That fight against Jordan Griffin, Jordan Griffin was all over him, backing him up. And Griffin, you know, he is a UFC veteran, but he is not a very good striker. Um, he doesn't, he's just a really, you know, for the most part of grinder, And at, at, at no point was Saudania able to put together any significant offense on the feet, get any kind of respect from Jordan, uh, Jordan Griffin, because he was not scared of his, you know, his punches or, or anything uh, coming back at all. And then he was able to be held in positions very, very easily by Jordan Griffin uh, at multiple points. Um, so I just think that, you know, and, and then, you know, it was a robbery of a decision. It's the only decision that, uh, Saldana has ever won, and if you look at Saldana, you can't tell me that you think this is a guy who, oh man, he finishes, he's so good, he finishes everybody. No, he's been fighting complete bums and he finishes all the bums. Um, but Lingo, I don't think he's finishing him easy. I think Lingo has a lot of the uh advantages here in just the meta of fighting. You know, people are, are, are talking about like calf kicks and this or that. Like, I don't really think that's really going to be an issue for Lingo, uh, you know, coming in against uh. Uh, Saudania and if calf kicks are your are your main offense unless your name is Chris Gutierrez Uh, you know, I don't really, I I don't really take that too much into account. So I got on Austin Lingo early or not that early, but I got him at plus plus one thirty. you know, that line is, you know, short, you know, the line's about to flip now. Um, and I think he should just be the clear favorite here. I don't think Saldana puts together offense very well at all. Um, but we'll see how aggressive he comes out. I think he has some tools for sure, but just his game plan and, you know, his approach to, to the fights. I think that it's going to be really easy for Austin to to um, put the tempo to the put the fight at the tempo that he wants, land the bigger punches, and be you know clearly you know run away with this fight um, you know on the scorecards because I don't really think that uh, Sardanya is going to like that heat coming back his way. So Austin Lingo by decision though would be my would be my pick here.
0: The only way I see Saldana winning this fight is him having success with his leg kicks because uh, you had great points about the boxing, uh, the the nonstop pressure, the output of Austin Lingo, I think is going to give Saldana problems. I thought Saldana looked good for two minutes versus Jordan Griffin. And then the second Jordan Griffin started actually coming forward and a little bit of that adrenaline dumped off of Saldana, I mean, he lost all composure. He was getting easily taken down. He wasn't landing or throwing much offense. And He probably will look a little bit better here, but still, he showed so many weaknesses in that fight. I just don't think the guy is comfortable when he's moving backwards. So Lingo, a guy who's tough, who's going to be constantly coming forward, even when he's getting outstruck, uh, he's getting his nose busted up like he did versus a law. He just kept coming forward that entire time. and. Zolal actually has some pretty good lateral movement. He has some uh, decent wrestling ability that he was able to take Lingo down with. Saldani doesn't have that good footwork. He doesn't have that offensive wrestling ability. I think if anyone's hitting offensive takedowns here, it's going to be Lingo. Lingo has hit a few takedowns throughout his career, and Saldani just doesn't look like a good defensive wrestler. He's not good off his back. He doesn't have good initiative to get off his back once he's taken down. So I think Lingo will have success here on the front foot. I think he could have success wrestling, and I think Lingo should really win the fight everywhere unless he gets his legs chopped down he can't come forward as much as he typically does that's the only way I see Saldana winning and he does have some decent leg kicks but I can't rely on that one strike in particular uh for Saldana to be the favorite here so I think Lingo's got more ways to win um and I think he's worth the bet here plus money should be the slight favorite like Ozzy said and uh, that's going to move us on to the first fight on the main card here. Great fight in, in the flyweight division. Probably the best matchup on the card. We got Alexandre Pantoja as the minus uh, 175 favorite. Um, he's 178, actually. And Brandon Royval coming back at plus 153. So I'll start this one off and... Um, my thoughts here are is only going to cover minus 178 if he ends up on top at some point in this fight. I think if the fight stays a kickboxing striking fight, I don't see Pantosha covering minus 178. I think that Royval his southpaw striking, his janky unorthodox output, uh, I think that's going to have some success versus Pantoja here. I don't think Pantoja has the best boxing defense. He never really has, never really prides himself on on avoiding those punches, and he kind of relies on his toughness at times, and as we saw in the Matchnell fight, he got rocked in that fight briefly. I think his toughness, his chin is kind of depleting a little bit later in his career, so I think Roy Vall really has a chance to surprise some people with the striking here. I think those constant jabs he pumps out that left kick of his, he throws some good knees and elbows in the clinch as well. I think uh, Roy Vall is going to make this fight really competitive on the feet. The only issue for Roy Vall is he is a terrible defensive wrestler. I mean, he was taken down so easily and so often versus Tim Elliott, and Tim Elliott uncharacteristically gassed out in that fight. But you know, I think if we run that back, Tim Elliott wins that fight at a pretty high clip. Um, So if Pantoja offensively wrestles here, he should hit easy takedowns He should keep top position on Roy Vall. But if you go go back and look at the guy's fights, he's not that much of an offensive wrestler. He has great jujitsu He's really good at taking the back and holding the back But he's not really an active wrestler hasn't hit a whole lot of takedowns throughout his career So minus 178 that price tag relies on him hitting takedowns I'm not willing to lay that so I think the value is on Roy Vall here at this plus 150 price uh, I like Royval's knockout prop for a small bet at plus 700. Um, you know, if Royvall is winning, I do expect it to be striking. I don't think he's going to have the submissions to submit Pantoja. He is pretty good with arm bars and triangles off of his back, but Pantoja should be a level ahead in the jiu-jitsu. So the only way I see Royval winning is with his striking, and I think the knockout should look semi-live there at plus 700. So uh, I like Royval here. You know, if I have to go with a pure pick, gun to my head pick, I guess I'll go with Pantoja. I think he's the more overall better fighter. Uh, and if he does end up on top here, he should win comfortably. But I'm not I'm not so sure that he is going to end up on top here. And I, I'll be cheering for Royval to pull off the upset here. So uh, what are you thinking on this one, Ozzy? Yeah, man. So, I,
1: you know, I've had a hard time picking up uh, Pantoja fights right in the past. Uh, just i don't know the guy's an enigma to me i guess uh you know it's my favorite word to describe fighters that i can't get a read on uh i mean roy Val. if you look at roy i'm way lower on roy Val than you are um i just you know I know he's a black belt, but, you know, he's like this new age black belt where these guys are just, they just spam submissions out there. Uh You see this both from the MMA scene and in the grappling, uh on the grappling scene. There's some guys that j- they just spam submissions. They're like, what, a-? you know, they're very good with submission defense. You know, it's hard to to catch them with submissions. Um you know, and they're kind of like kill or be killed for the most part where, and, you know, I think Roy Vals like that. If you look at that fight against, uh, um, Moreno, he's Moreno has his back for like two and a half minutes there at the end. And it does not come to, uh, Roy Vals, uh, mind at any point to like step on the hooks and, you know, step on that, that twister hook, you know, to get out of that, uh, and, and be able to, you know, get back to his, you know, to, to get out, um, and, you know, eventually when he does, they disengage for a second. And what does he do as soon as he goes right back to his back, you know, into his guard again? So. You know, I think I think they are gonna grapple, and at some point, you know, grappling will happen here. Uh, is 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 how I see it. And Pantoja is just a much better grappler than him, uh, positionally. Now I know Roy Vals is probably is gonna be on the ground, throwing elbows, throwing you know, being scrappy, throwing punches. But I just Pantoja has never been finished. His, all his losses are by uh, decision. Uh, Roy Vals' record in decisions is like one in four or one in five. Uh, he's twelve and six overall. And I just, you know, I think the the striking, you know, I I think I've seen from from what I've seen from Pantoja, he's just so much more cerebral now. Uh, where, he, you know, if if you want to stay at range, you know, he'll just kick at your legs or kick the body like he did in that. Uh, uh, cop fight and you know, he 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 comes out he comes out with a much more patient uh, Approach, but he has a lot more skills I feel that uh, that he could lean towards whether that be his wrestling his jiu-jitsu uh, Or his striking uh, his cardio has been a little bit suspect in the past and uh, Ravel does push a good pace So I think that's probably the thing I'd be most worried about uh, if I was on Pantoja um you know you saw in that Asker fight he slowed down but Askers is just so much has so much i think just better and you know forces a fight that uh that's that's really uncomfortable overall and i think that is it's, it's going to be really tough for for Breval to actually get you know i you know i know he he's good at you know doing you know getting the fight to to how he wants it often but i think Pantoja's approach uh should Put him in positions where he is able to just outlast uh roy val and and dominate him uh at some point on the ground i think i just think that he's gonna at some point he's going to be able to to settle this guy down he's going to be able to put some damage on him and if they do stay on the feet you know roy val's just you know high kicks spinning back kicks you know, spinning back fists, you know, all those things. I think Pantoja will be wary of those things. Um, And, you know, you don't do all of those as much when uh, you're pursuing a guy. You kind of usually do that when you're getting pursued. So I feel Pantoja is not going to walk on to – a you know spinning back fist or spinning back kick or any of those things because he's going to be uh, a lot more patient here so i definitely side with pantoja here i i can't i can't with the plus price on on roy Val. i don't think that uh that that he's gonna have much for pantoja in the way of significant offense that that makes him uncomfortable so i'm gonna side with him i think he probably gets this done by decision but the finish is super live i feel uh here at any point so that's uh that's how i see the fight though but it, it, it's I, i'm uncomfortable with uh paying you know minus 175 170 i think you said on pantoja just because you know roy val just you know crazy a crazy dude but i don't think he's finishing alejandre pantoja you know if you line if you if these guys fought i mean like i just feel it's a weird fight like you i in actuality, I feel like Pantoja should probably be like minus two hundred over Roy Val because, like I said, I don't think he's finishing him, but and is he really winning a decision over Pantoja? I don't see it.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of see a path for for Roval to win a decision based on winning uh, rounds 1 and 3 because he'll come out aggressive. He could win that round 1. Pantoja slows down. He could possibly steal that round 3, but it would de- definitely be a, a shocker. And uh, Roval knockout is actually plus 1,200 on 700. So that's definitely a, a decent prop there. Um, but that's going to move us on to the next fight in the lightweight division. Another great matchup here. We got uh, Vince Pachel uh, as the minus 1,10 We got a minus 110 pick him here on both sides. Uh, Vince Pichel versus Austin Hubbard. Um, You want to start this one off, Ozzy? What are you thinking about this one?
1: Yeah, sure. So, you know, it's a fight here where, you know, Hubbard, uh, you know, he comes into this fight. You know, he's fought a lot of tough guys, you know, on the scene for sure. Um, You know, but he's coming into a fight against a guy in Pichel who I've always underrated, uh, you know, Vince Pichel uh, because you know I, I didn't initially think like what is this guy is he like a strict grappler is he you know a striker like you know he was on that tough season where you've seen a lot of guys that were you know a lot younger than him just like like michael kiesa and you know ally kent i i come out but this is a guy who's only lost to gregor gillespie uh you know of late and and he's had his kind of uh career uh derailed by injuries i remember i was on uh Jim Miller in that fight against, uh, Pichel. and Pachel, um, you know, Pichel was able to, you know, fi- find a way to win that fight in, you know, in those later rounds, uh, even though that, you know, Jim Miller had some grappling sis- success there. Uh, same thing in the Roosevelt Roberts fight. You know, that fight was kind of close, and Vince Pachel, just a super gritty dude, was able to get him down, you know, and then start to dominate. Um, you know, Hubbard has just been always underwhelming to me. I think I faded him in both his last two fights uh, against, you know, Bush. I faded him and definitely again, you know, again with Selecki. I was all over Selecki's submissions, probably. Uh, there, um, but just I think if this fight plays out at range, uh, you know, Pichel, it, it, like Hubbard's main offense is is calf kicks. I think you know against Pichel, I don't really see him landing a lot of punches there. I don't think he's going to be able to get that comfortable because Pichel is just the definitely to me the much more capable and willing wrestler. And although uh, Hubbard has shown some good ups, Pichel is. You know, you've seen people speak about this a bunch of times. He is just very strong. He's like, you know, surprisingly strong to a lot of these guys uh, when they end up locking up with him. Uh, so I think that at some point, you know, Pichel probably able to get top time, some clinch control, you know, on uh, Austin Hubbard. You know, Hubbard does have good cardio. It's definitely a close fight, though, because Pichel, for as much of, you know, the way that he, you know, fights. And like I said, he looks to control the fight, get takedowns, do this or that. Uh, he doesn't put a lot of uh, significant offense on anyone. So sometimes it's hard for him to win fights, you know, running away, uh, you know, from it. And But the same thing with Hubbard, which is why I think, uh, you know, you see this pick and price here. So close fight for sure. I'm siding with Vince Pacheco. I just think that he's going to be able to take Hubbard down. And Hubbard's kind of uh, willing, you know, to go down at some points. I think in that third round, was it, or the second round, was it, when... um. When Dakota Bush was able to take him down and hold him down, or, you know, I've just seen him relent some positions at some points. And I think that's what's going to happen here. Uh, At at, at a certain point, he's going to get taken down by uh, Vince Pachel, and then Pachel's going to start putting down some ground and pound on him.
0: So, one point you brought up that I liked was uh, Pachel's fights against Robertson Miller. Uh, I think he was losing both those fights up until like the seven minute mark. And then he kind of just, um, you know, grinded out his opponents found a way to win jim miller is a corpse past seven minutes he's also really bad off his back and roosevelt roberts isn't good off his back either um that's the difference i see in this fight is hubbard isn't the type of guy to accept bottom position like once he gets taken down he doesn't have the greatest takedown defense but he's hard to get like with his shoulders flat on the mat um he's fought some good grapplers like you know hamos and he uh even Hamos had a tough time with him. I, don't, I think he made a the decision there, if, I, if I'm correct. Um, but I, I don't think Hubbard's takedown defense and defensive grappling is as bad as some people make it out to be. Uh, we see like elite grapplers like Selecki are able to submit him. Davi Hamos, Marco Madsen was able to uh, outgrapple him. But like he's able to defeat good grapplers like Bush, like Max Roscoff. Um, and he also can hit an offensive takedown from time to time as well. He has some decent offensive wrestling. Um, so if any fighter is getting held on the mat here for like one two minutes longer, I think it's actually going to be Pichel. I don't think Pichel. No, I don't not think not uh, defensive grappling. I don't think is at is up to the level of Hubbard's is. And Hubbard's is constantly fighting de- uh, grapplers. Like it's just going to continue getting better. And I think Hubbard's a little bit better of a striker than people give him credit for. Uh, he's a real good calf kicker. I think his boxing is pretty sharp. He's got good. Punches and his knees are also really good as well. So, if this fight stays in the feet, I expect Hover to be winning the striking exchanges pretty comfortably here. He's going to be chopping down those legs of Pachel and I don't see Pichel having that same momentum shift that he did in his past two fights where I don't think he's going to lose the first half of this fight and then turn it around. I think Hubbard's uh, a really good fight. He, he builds as the fight goes on. He's a good attritional fighter. And I think if Hubbard gets out to an early lead here, he's going to keep that lead and uh, continue to win the fight. So I don't think Pichel is going to have much success uh, taking and holding Hubbard down. I, I think the striking is pretty heavily in favor of Hubbard. So I like Austin Hubbard here. This is, uh, I think, our first official time we're disagreeing on the pick uh this podcast ozzy where we're going uh, official different ways so we'll have a little bit of a bragging rights contest next week in this one uh and i got a bet on hubbard uh one unit on minus 105 i cap him as the slight favorite here and uh i think uh hubbard's gonna outstrike him to a decision uh doubt doubt's a knockout um yeah i think decision is most likely uh hubbard decision here um so and okay. that's Vince, Vince by Vince by decision. Nice, yeah. I, what is the goes the distance here? I mean, it's pretty hard to imagine a, a finish. Uh, I
1: bet the over minus two twenty. Oh my gosh, 25. minus
0: two seventy. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, I think
1: I might. I think I might sprinkle someone goes the distance too.
0: That's a that is a juiced over. Um. That's going to bring us to the next fight in the Bantamweight division. Short notice replacement fight. We got Trevin Jones taking on Saeed Yokobab Kokromanov. I, I didn't practice uh, his first name too much, but Kokromanov, that's pretty easy to say. Kokromanov. Um And this line went all over the place. and initially opened up Jones minus 300. Jones was at a, an underdog price for a while. Now it's settling back in at Jones minus 141. Uh, Kokromanov plus 120. I'll start this one off and kakamano's past two recent fights the guy is really aggressive out of the gate he definitely has some decent boxing he's got good power in both of his hands we've seen him knock opponents down with both hands but i don't see much high level skill behind his boxing i don't see much defense um in terms of the punches coming back at him and when a fighter, a regional fighter comes in winning fights by knockout, just running through dudes, I think they kind of run into the steeper level competition and sometimes they get scared off and they don't fight like they typically do, like Ramiz Brahima, who we were talking earlier sometimes they come out just as aggressive as they were and they get countered and get put out and I think that's probably what's going to happen here is that is going to just run into a better boxer, a more crafty boxer in Trevin Jones, and is going to come forward, stringing together a lot of punches, and I think he's going to get countered and probably hurt at some point here because Trevin Jones is actually a a really sneaky good boxer. Uh, You saw that in his last fight against Bautista, landed that nasty uppercut uh, leading to the knockout there. And Kakramanov, if he wants to win this fight, I think he's going to have to wrestle. Um, There is some limited footage out there of him hitting takedowns. He does have a few rear-nicked choke victories, but I haven't seen enough reliable wrestling from him to to pick him to come in here to execute the right game plan against Trevin Jones. Also, you got to think about short notice Uh, Kakramana very short notice less than a week's notice while Trevon Jones has been preparing for fights for a long time here so I like Jones here. Uh, if anybody got him at, at plus money, that, that was definitely a, a sharp bet at the time. Even minus 140, I think there's some value left on him. I cap him 60 65% here. And uh, maybe Kakramanov can draw him into a brawl, can catch Jones and knock him out. Maybe he can hit a takedown here. But I haven't quite seen enough experience uh, from Kakramanov against good competition to pick him against Jones here on short notice. So uh, what are you thinking about this matchup, Ozzy?
1: Yeah, so, you know, I think uh even though a short notice interesting matchup here, I think Kakramanov was uh was on the radar of the UFC for a bit. Um, you know, has has put some time in on the CFFC local scene and you know a, a few other uh promotions there. Um, you know, trains out of Team Oyama, you know. It has some decent wins. Uh I think it just, I'm interested to see his approach. I think that's the most important thing to me. Like you said, he's had those last two fights, you know, he showed significant power. Um, but you know trevin jones the reason i've liked him is he is very very well-rounded Um, you know, he has a good submission game. He has uh hands He's got some good kicks Uh, and now he's come over from guam and he's training full-time out in uh out in vegas uh, And he's putting in the time and you know, finally has hopefully he gets this, you know fight Uh, he gets to the cage because he's had three uh fights, uh, you know postponed and canceled um, but you know, I I, I kind of I definitely see why you know people would want to uh, back uh, Jones here. I'm just a slightly concerned if Kakramanov has better wrestling. I was telling you than um than kind of we're aware of and like how you know because I think this guy is coming in really good shape. Um, I think that Jones is a, a lot more of a cerebral striker you know i think it, it's good to look at that matchup against bautista for you know where i thought jones won round one and then he put him away in round two so you saw uh, a a guy who's an aggressive striker in Batista, uh you know kind of bringing the fight to to jones and seeing how kind of he's he'll, he'll like stick it move and you know uh defend the strikes as they come and you saw that same thing in that timor valia fight so those fights are the most relevant to me and it shows me that you know jones is is very comfortable in the pocket he's very comfortable uh when 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 punches are coming back to him so i'm not very i'm not as concerned with the power of kakramanov uh but like i said i'm kind of concerned about potentially the wrestling this guy's from uzbekistan where you know they're really good at boxing but they're you know really good really good wrestlers as well And Jones on those on this regional tape, you know, he's got a lot of fights on the Japanese and Asian uh, fight scene. He had been held down a little bit uh you know in some of those fights so i'm interested to see how 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 uh like i said kakramanov approaches the fight i think if he does you know if he is in here shooting takedowns and or or you know get, looking to get jones to the ground i think he might be able to and if if that uh, does happen i think uh i think he's going to prove to be a a good bet so Um, if this line widens a little bit, I think I might take a shot at Kakramakov. uh, I'm not going to try and pronounce his name again. Uh, so I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not taking Jones here. I'm not like, I'm not going to bet him. I I, kind of, I think I know that for sure um here so I, I think if i had to make a pick i'd probably pick um you know i think most people are gonna pick this and inside the distance uh but I, I i'm not even gonna make a pick honestly here because i don't know if if this guy's gonna come out you know bonkers or if he is going to uh look to wrestle but i'm gonna side with the experienced guy but i don't know if it's gonna be by decision or if they just in the bang and maybe he knocks out jones
0: yeah, hopefully Kakramana makes way coming in here on this uh, short notice. Um, that's going to bring us to the next fight in the heavyweight division. We got Chase Sherman as the minus 194 favorite taken on Parker Porter, plus 169. Uh, you want to start this one off, Ozzy? What are your thoughts on this uh, another incredible heavyweight Oof. matchup?
1: Oof, boy. I mean, Chase Sherman, he's back, boys. Uh, you know, Sherman, last fight, you know, he fought Andre Orlovsky a legend, you know, t- people paid juice on him that time which was crazy and you know i snapped up that plus money on andre arlovsky and we saw what happened uh right after that fight sherman got meniscus surgery um and he says he's better than new but anytime you take out the meniscus in your knee you know it's okay but it's not the best thing in the world uh you know i see that sherman's training now at sanford mma he's doing all these head movement drills he's doing all this nonsense this is not gonna help him guys it's not helping him you know this guy is like 20 Five fights into his into his mma career 22 fights. I don't know how much it is If you haven't learned a basic slip, you know duck, you know a uh, roll, you know roll exit movements on your punches is not happening so uh, You know Parker Porter to me. He has some grappling upside here. Uh, I think he's a better grappler I think he could potentially land takedowns on Sherman. He's going to be probably between you know, I think, what is Sherman now? Maybe, like, 250? Maybe he might be a little lighter uh, now that he's, like, training down in Florida and stuff and maybe not drinking as much beer from wherever he's at. Uh, but, you know, I think that Porter potentially could take him down. You know, he did land two takedowns on uh, Parisian in his last fight. I think, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Sherman. I think he's only won one decision in his in his career. So if he can't knock out uh, Parker Porter... I think the fight gets hairy for him uh, very, very quickly. And that's not only because uh, Parker Porter is really hairy, it's just uh, Sherman, you know, definitely fades in his fights. Uh, Porter showed a high work rate in that last fight against parisian uh he came in in much better shape i think i heard that for that darkest fight he had to cut like 25 pounds or something like that you know he, he took that fight on like one week notice um and i think he's a lot more he's he's a lot better than people think he is you know obviously he's a big fat he's big and fat so people underrate him there but you know i think on the feet he's going to be able to land on chase sherman more than likely uh sherman does have some good power in that first round so his best path to victory is a, a ko in that first round but I mean, if I think I added it up, if you add up the uh record of the guys that Sherman has beat in the UFC, I think you come out to like two and nine, so you know you paying minus one ninety like that's insane. That is the worst probably the worst bet on the whole card in my opinion, in my cash, okay, in my cash. But that is for me. If I'm looking at that, that's definitely negative EV. You know, I would never do that. I would never pay juice like that on a heavyweight dude like this. Uh, Chase Sherman was this same price against Ike Villanueva. He cashed, but like you know, the fight went to the second round. Ike Villanueva's a light heavyweight. Like this guy has no good. Literally, for me, Parker Porter would be the best win on Chase, on Chase Sherman's whole uh you know record um he's one in three in decisions it's just an awful bet why would you want to lay minus 190 on this guy um, you know he 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 slows down and fights he gets knocked out himself he has no submission game. i guarantee you chase, chase sherman is a white belt okay right what do you think he is uh you think he's a white belt or a blue belt uh martian He's not not he's not good. Yeah, he does not not train grappling, dude. Not doing a whole lot and he's down with Henry Hooft. Henry Hoof is one of the goats. But anytime you watch a video or a training clip, these guys are hitting pads, dude. They're not shrimping. They're not, you know, working arm bars. They're not, you know, working guillotine. They're only gra- only striking you know maybe doing a little bit of wrestling here and there but this guy just got his meniscus taken out you think that he's really working his wrestling so you know this he's just so limited i just cannot see why you know you'd be confident in him you know beating anyone to be honest with you so i'm siding with parker porter i hope he gets it done here and uh you know hopefully by uh let's go by submission in the second round
0: yeah, I like to pick Parker Porter, you know, is a man's man. When you look at him, that's the ideal man body right there. Uh, so if you're trying to if you're working out in the gym, you know, trying to get like a great physique, look at Parker Porter and try to replicate that. Oh, yeah. That is my advice. Um, And I agree with, you know, everything that Ozzy said, uh, those takedowns that Porter hit against Parisian, they were they were kind of crafty. You know, he had a little little body lock trip there and um, very well-timed takedowns. And that was a high- been
1: training for forever. He fought John Jones back in the day.
0: And he, uh, yeah, I think he's, he's been training, uh, posting a lot of pictures with the wrestling coach too, for whatever that's worth. Um, but that was a high pace fight against Parisian. Like there was, he was throwing 30, 50, 60 strikes around, and he was also hitting some takedowns and he still landed 50 strikes in round three there. Like the guy's got good cardio. That was a high pace fight. And I initially thought Parisian sucks. I, I kind of my opinion of him has kind of improved. I mean, coming off the contender series, I was really sure the guy was awful, but he actually made a better account for himself in his past two fights than I expected. And Porter outstruck him pretty handedly. Um, I think a lot of people are looking at the Dockhouse fight for Porter and and taking a lot of negatives off that. But like you said, that fight was less than a week notice. And uh, I think Dockhouse would probably do the same thing to Sherman. So I see see this being a competitive striking fight. If anyone has a grappling upside, it's Parker Porter. If anybody has a durability upside, I think it's Porter as well. Because you know Porter doesn't have some insane chin, but we've seen Sherman like hurt with single punches before. Like Justin Willis wobbled him. He was knocked out by um, Sakai. He was knocked out by uh. Shamil was, I think that was some pretty weak round and pound from Shamil that knocked him out if I'm remembering it correctly, but uh, the guy's been knocked out several times in his career. Um, I think Porter's got a lot of advantages. I think it's going to be a competitive striking fight. I don't think either guy is going to look like more than minus 150 on the feet. Like, it's going to be competitive. It's going to be high output. Neither guy has good defense. I agree with Ozzy that there's no way you could be laying this price. He's up to minus 200 now. So maybe we shouldn't be talking people off a ledge too much. Maybe we should just let people keep betting Sherman because you might get Porter at plus 200 when it comes to fight day. But a line I like for this fight is the fight goes the distance. Plus one sixty four. I don't see this fight ending by finish sixty five percent of the time. I think that's crazy. That that's that's just, crazy. Bro, just
1: bet if you're gonna bet goes distance, just bet Parker Porter, man. Just bet. Yeah. I mean, you have to bet. What I'm saying is, if any if any listeners, if you guys are gonna take the goes distance, you have to bet something on Parker Porter too. You just have yeah. to because yeah, th- he's
0: gonna win more decisions. I feel than Chase Sherman is. Yeah, and that line is plus four sixty right now. That's a good line. I mean, I just. Sure, it's heavyweight. Knockouts can happen. I would say Sherman probably has the more power of the two, but 65% for a finish in this fight, Where, where the fuck is that number coming from? So plus 164, I'm down to take that. Um I think the money line sides on Porter and like you just said that Porter decision prop is worth some too. Fight starts round 3 minus 105. Like what do they think these guys are in? Gano? I uh, I don't see it honestly. Um so there's a lot of good bets to be made on that fight. And I'll be cheering for Parker Porter to pull off the upset as well. I'm picking them too. S- straight up pick is Parker Porter decision. And that's going to take us to the co-main event of this card in the lightweight division. We got Marco Madsen uh, minus 155 taking on clay guida the legend plus 135 uh i'll start this one off i think you go, you did the last one so you know madsen is a very limited fighter you know he comes from that greco background he ha- definitely has great wrestling i don't see any area of mma that he really exceeds in besides that don't think the guy has great striking don't think he has a particularly great top game and i don't think his cardio has anything to rave about either so The guy can probably win a lot of fights by by staying conservative on the feet, hitting a takedown, grinding guys out against the cage, doing that wrestling ride type of thing where, you know, it's smart. You don't need to put hooks in. You don't need to get a guy flat on his back. You can just ride him against the cage chest to chest and you can win rounds that way. And it's very possible that he he beats Clay Guida by doing that. But uh, I think Clay Guida would be the best opponent that he's beaten by far. I think he'd be the best defensive grappler that he's beaten by far. And Clay Guida is just not a guy who gets out-wrestled by many people. He's been around for 15 years fighting the who's who. And he's only been out-grappled like three times throughout that entire career. So if I give a striking advantage to one guy, it's got to be Guida. Cardio has to go to Guida as well. Jiu-Jitsu probably goes to Guida. And, you know, the only way I see Madsen winning this fight is by winning two out of three rounds by doing what I just said, hitting those takedowns, riding him against the cage. It'll likely be a really boring fight, but I just don't see Clay Guida accepting that bottom. He's going to be constantly scrambling, and I think Guida's going to be pushing him back on the feet. He's going to be landing some punches, and, uh, you know, Guida looked good in his last fight against Michael Johnson. I mean, that was seriously, like, one of the best performances of Guida's entire career. Uh, the guy's been doing the same thing for 10, 15 years straight, but he really hasn't lost his step. I mean, he's still durable. He can still go the hard 15. He's still a great wrestler. And, you know, I'd say that he's the side to be on here at plus 145. Uh, I just don't have much confidence in Madsen to win that that grappling game plan. Um, so uh, what are you thinking uh, about this one here? Definitely going to be some grappling involved in this one, Ozzy.
1: Yeah, man, you know, this is a fight that I'll be honest, I've been going, I've been flip-flopping a little bit on, you know, recently, you know, it kind of, you, you know, me, like I'm kind of going in here wanting to fade Marco Madsen, uh, you know, especially with a guy like Clay Guida, who's absolutely tenacious, Uh, you know, is very, very... Um, you know, well-versed in a lot of the, uh, in, in all aspects of MMA, for the most part, you know, has a submission game, you know, can wrestle has very, very good cardio. You know, he's, he's a, you know, a classic fighter there, like a kind of like classic archetype of kind of, you know, of kind of guy, but you know, when I'm, I'm looking at this, you know, I was rewatching that Michael Johnson fight and I mean, Michael Johnson is going down from a breeze, you know, a few of those times, uh, and, and some of the striking You know, of Clay Guido when you see it, it's just, you know, how confident is Clay Guido going to be here taking on a guy, Marco Madsen, who, you know, has that amazing uh, Greco base, has been out for a while. Uh, has moved over his whole camp to fight ready. He's been training. You know, I think he's one of Ali's guys. So he's been messing around with Henry Cejudo. He's been doing a lot. You know, there's a lot of good fighters down there. And, you know, what is the kind of improvements that Marco Madsen is bringing with him to the cage? Because, you know, Guida, for everything that we say, right? We all like Quaid, Guido. We all like those things his striking is just you know after all these years he does not really have much of a game to fall back on in terms of you know being able to to find his range really well you know he doesn't really kick very well um and then when he does throw right hands and stuff like that he kind of like smothers his offense a little bit so you know it's tough i think guida is going to the hope is that guida you know has a better cardio starts outlasting marco madsen but, you know, I think that Marco is going to come in here. I don't think he's... I think he's an intelligent guy. I don't think he's going to come in here looking for the kill very quickly. Because he knows Clay Guit is a freaking dog. So, if Marco Madsen's gas tank is doesn't get drained, you know, early on, I feel that he, you know, probably is... Uh, has some advantages here i'm not very confident in the click we decide i see people you know confident in it i just i'm not feeling it as much um you know because i do think that marco is going to come with some improvements on the feet and i really trust his wrestling and i don't think the submission game is going to be excuse me that much of an issue uh, you know, when they, when they do throw down. Um, so, you know, I think that when they, if they do lock up, Marco Mass is going to be able to take Clay Guida down. Clay Guida has never been a stud stud wrestler. Uh, he's been taken down. I think Bobby Green had him, you know, uh, down or, 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 you know, in some good positions, uh, for a little bit, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, just countless guys, you know, he's kind of like more of a guy who, he'll either outlast you, or if he does have a wrestling advantage on you, uh, he will lean on it. Yeah, I'm looking back. Bobby Green took him down twice. So if he does have a resting advantage, you know, he, he'll he utilize that, you know, against you. But I think that Marco Madison probably ends up being able to land some takedowns. And it's going to be a matter of how tired does, is Clay Guida able to make him uh, in holding him down. Uh, so right now, I'm not confident in this Marco Madsen. I mean, excuse me, in the Clay Guida side. I don't think I'm going to end up with a ticket on him. And I think that'll be, this will be a situation where I don't, I don't feel I'm going to regret it as much. This is different from me from like, let's say a similar line in Darren Elkins versus Minner, right? Where, you know, you kind of have Minner maybe similar, a little bit similar to Clay Guida, not as shot. I mean, more shot for sure, but uh, kind of like a similar, similar guy. But you know, on that fight, I I knew for sure. I'm like, hey, I definitely cannot, you know, not have a ticket on Derek Miner. But here I'm I'm really not enthused to be betting Clay Guida here. Uh so you know, I'm actually I think I'm gonna pick Marco Madsen to to win this fight uh by decision. I think he has a little bit more of a measured approach uh and is able to, you know, out, last longer than people are are giving him credit for.
0: Yeah, I guess that's my pick as well. Official pick is Madsen decision, and he's probably a better live bet than pre-fight. Um, and one last thing I'll note, though, is Madsen—a uh, little bit of narrative going on here. After he he broke his jaw versus Hubbard, uh, the jaw surgery got infected. Uh, he had COVID recently, and his wife got diagnosed with uh, MS, which is a pretty bad condition as well. So there's some out of out of cage factors uh, contributing to Madsen uh here. Those are definitely some concerns, but I guess I'm still picking Madsen to win decision. Um, and that's gonna take us to the main event. Not an inspiring fight at all. But we got Jared Cannonier minus one fifty six, Kelvin Gastelum plus plus one thirty six, middleweight division. Uh you gonna start this one off Ozzy. Uh
1: yeah, so you know main event uh main event or you just said main event time right yeah main event oh yeah. Yeah okay so we're uh cannoneer okay um, so two guys that got their butts what by you know my boy Robert Whitaker. Um, you know, this is an interesting fight, uh, because you know I've I have not understood a lot of the Jared Cannonier love. You know, I think you know that obviously that Whitaker fight I mentioned, uh, he was they was at like a pick and price. Um, he was scheduled to fight Costa, who was the favorite? I think you you had a bet you had a bet on Costa, right? I remember you told me about yeah, that, Costa correct? was like
0: plus 140. I yeah
1: think. So Costa was the uh, dog here and then he opens here plus one uh, minus 240 over Calvin Gaslam. so Someone I like I don't know what's I think it might be stats like it might be because he drops a lot of guys Like you know that, you know, he's getting respect here from the bookies um but, like, I don't see why, you know, he is always lying like this as a favorite. Now, Kelvin Gastelum, on the other hand, uh, you know, in that fight against Ian Heinish, I thought that Ian Heinisch was a good bet. You know, Kelvin was able to utilize that wrestling. And then he came into that Robert Whitaker fight. Uh, and you know, he was just, he just got shut down in every way, shape, or form, you know, and he said that a little bit in, in some interviews. He's like, man, he was just way better than I thought he was going to be. He was just so much quicker, you know, he was able to keep him on the back foot, and, you know, and, and he was never able to get anything going. Now, Jared, you know, I think Jared's here's going to come out, uh, probably looking to, I mean, I would think he's going to look to kick, uh, Kelvin, and Kelvin has some of the skinniest legs I've ever seen on, uh, on like a, uh on like a dude that's so like big up top like his you know his legs are super skinny um but i feel this is a fight where kelvin could potentially land that left hand from his uh southpaw stance um you know is he like but is kelvin going to come in here looking for some kind of grappling like you know I am not so sure the thing I'll give him credit for his cardio looked great against Ian his cardio looked fine against Robert so you know if he if he is Able to commit to a wrestling heavy game plan and not tire out. You know, I think that he def- definitely has some advantages over Jared, but we've really, really never seen Kelvin be the kind of guy that is able to hold guys down. He's been the kind of guy where he'll take you down and then maybe he'll latch onto a sub. He'll like go run around, take your back, you know, and do stuff like that. Uh, but not, not too much like you know, solidify position, ground and pound, you know, and do all that stuff to you. So, you know, in the I think the fight here. It, it, it probably should be a little bit shorter. That's why you're seeing that line come come towards the Gastelum side a bit. But I am not that... Uh you know, Kelvin's a hard, like, you know, everybody that trains with Kelvin that knows Kelvin, they're like, man, this guy's talented, but he's a freaking lazy dude. Like he, he doesn't train that hard, you know, and I don't know how focused he is because man, this guy's losing fights. Like it's apparent, you know, at this point that he's not a top uh, middleweight. So if he loses this fight, you know, we might see Kelvin and Bellator next time. Uh, so, you know, I think, there's potential for Kelvin to come out with a big performance. Jared, I still haven't been able to get a read on him. So I'm going to probably pass on this fight. You know, the over under is set at uh, four and a half and it's, you know, pick and price. So maybe I'll try and, you know, take a shot at that. You know, on the, um, I mean, the over will be super sweaty, I feel the whole time just because, I mean, Kelvin's got rock, you know, a rock head. But, you know, Jared hits hard. Kelvin hits hard. You know, I mean, this is a low-level... I think this is even a lower-level main event than the... I'm less excited about this one than the uh, Strickland-Uriah Hall fight. Like, you know, I I just don't have a read on this at all. But, you know, I, I definitely can't lay the juice on jared but yeah i think this is a live bet fight honestly because you know at a certain point i think this fight could easily be one one going into the third round you know it could be a back and forth fight or it could you know end really quickly but i think i would be interested maybe in like a dozen start round five or something like that Uh, Just for like a violence bet, because I think both these guys have something to prove, man. They, you know, they both got their ass whooped in that, like Robert Whitaker whipped both these guys' ass. I saw a clip that Jared Cannonier said Robert didn't beat him, the judges did. Man, Jared Cannonier got his ass whooped in that fight, and both of them have something to prove, so I think the under could potentially be a good spot.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree that I, I don't have any confidence in either side here. I think it's pretty impossible to have confidence in either side. It's like a fight where I don't think the tape does really a whole lot for you either. I think you can watch a lot of these guys fights and like no conclusion is going to really jump out at you. Um, I'm kind of leaning lean a little bit more towards the goes to distance than the under uh, for you. Uh, I think both these guys are low volume, you know, Kelvin, especially low volume. Um, kind never been the full five rounds never been in the championship rounds so i'm not sure his cardio is going to hold up too well so he might be trying to conserve that output and you know with with cannonier fighting southpaws he's had some good fights he's had some bad ones you know he got destroyed by dominic reyes up at 205 and then he's fighting anderson silva very efficient game plan just smashed his leg with inside leg kicks And was able to finish him pretty easily there. And Gaslam does not check leg kicks. Very heavy on his legs. So I definitely think that inside leg kicks uh, in the opposite stance matchup will be there for Cannoneer. The boxing is going to be competitive. I don't think either guy has a huge boxing advantage. Like you mentioned, Kelvin's insane toughness. It's probably going to be hard for uh, Cannoneer to get him out of there. Even though Cannoneer hits very hard. I mean, I think Gaslam might be impossible to finish at this point. and the wrestling, great, great point you brought up there. Gastelum probably does have the offensive wrestling ability to take Cannoneer down. Cannonier doesn't have a great first layer of takedown defense, but he's really athletic, strong at getting back up to his feet. You saw Hermanson take him down, and, you know, Cannoneer didn't give a fuck. He just got right back up from those takedowns, and, and Hermanson actually is a good top position player. So I don't think Kelvin Gastelum is going to have much success holding him down in the early rounds, but I think that explosiveness and the get-ups is going to start to fade after rounds two here so if it's rounds three four and five in their close rounds I think the wrestling of Kelvin Gaston could be the x-factor in swinging the rounds towards him so I'm kind of leaning this fight to go to a decision I could see it being a split decision on either side I would be interested to see what the line is there because I don't know, I just see this the, the striking being low output, not a whole lot's happening, the rounds could go either way in the judge's eyes, and that's been the case throughout Cullen's career, you know, the, the Till fight was 30-27 for one judge and 27-30 for the other judge, so his fights are so low output and boring that the judges could be seeing them completely opposite at times, so not really confident in either side here, but I slightly lean Cannoneer, I think the inside leg kick uh, of his is going to have success, and Gaslim is just so hittable that uh, I think Kananir's boxing also could have some success here, but not confident in the output or cardio of either guy. Um, very hard fight to be confident in, but I'll, I'll slightly lean with Kananir, and I think a, a split decision is live here, so um, maybe look out for that prop. I'm sure it's on DraftKings at like plus 500 or something. Um, any other concluding thoughts for this matchup or this card, Ozzy? no
1: i mean you know the only bet i've made uh, is lingo um and you know that over i think i mentioned that pachel fight uh you know for the most part i think it's gonna be a light card for me uh i probably have a little bit more action on uh bell eh, i don't really have that much action on bellator either um they've been cutting a lot of fights there um but, but yeah, you know, I think, you know, keep it small. Don't lay, don't lay too much juice. You know, I think, uh, nah, you know, Sasha, I, I'm looking at Sasha as well. And, and then Pachel, you know, that, that, that uh, line could get a little bit better. Um, but you know, it's just a, it's a tough and, and, and Porter, Pate- Porter is up to plus 170. Now, like people are literally laying this minus, you know, these minus prices on Chase Sherman. I don't see it. So, you know, it's going to be plus money for me again. And, you know, let's see
0: where it takes us. Yep, and just some concluding thoughts. Plus four twenty-five on that split decision for the Gastelum fight, and Gastelum no scorecards plus one eighty. Uh, that's an interesting line. You know, the dude is like you said, rockhead, e- extremely hard to finish. Canada is it? It's what? It's plus plus one eighty on uh on, oh, fan, wow. on on DraftKings right now. Let's see what it's at on BetOnline. Can't wow. it can't be that good on BetOnline? Oh no, it's plus one ninety bet online. Wow, that I mean that's telling you that they that. That's
1: what I'm saying. Jared Cannonier gets a lot of respect, man.
0: Yeah, I mean Gaslam is is virtually impossible to knock out, and uh, you know, people always are are saying, you know, oh, he his durability could could drop off. I mean, he just got his ass kicked by by Bobby. He got knocked down five times by Asanya, but it just seems that the guy's durability is never regressing. So. It's really
1: this this love for Jared Canear is just really weird to me man it's just I guess yeah. you know he's fought some good I mean I'll give him credit some good strength of, strength of uh, schedule like he's fought Jan Blachowicz, Dominic Reyes, Silva, Hermanson, Whitaker. I mean, well, all right, let's let's see what happens. I'll, I I I got to see him beat another guy like you know between Hermanson and branch they kind of both quit more or less i mean those both weird
0: fights yeah i
1: gotta see it before i believe in jerry Cannonier.
0: and gotta mention kennanier big qn on supporter, so probably not going to take the most easy path to victory probably not going to be thinking you know like you said that interview He's no mexican though he probably wants to kill him true and uh the fact like, if, if the man if the man thinks he won the fight against robert whitaker uh you know he's clearly delusional so um you know you always got to be concerned about betting on a delusional fighter um, for sure but that's going to do it for this card you know not not the greatest card uh, we still breeze through these 12 fights so, some interesting spots i'm definitely leaning towards a lot of the underdogs here um but it's probably going to be a sketchy week honestly i could i could see myself going like 6 for 6 in p- picks this week or something um but my bets are on for 6
1: or 6 and 6
0: 6 <laughs> 6 and 6 6 right 6 wrong <laughs> um i like the austins this week austin hubbard austin lingo and uh, Parker Porter for the win. Uh, Those are my thoughts, and that's going to do it. So uh, thank you all for tuning into the podcast. Uh, Our fourth week now, we appreciate all the continued support. We've been getting a lot of compliments. I'm sure you've been seeing some too, Ozzy. There have been some some nice things said about us. So I appreciate everyone out there giving us uh, some nice compliments. And I hope you all enjoy the card. hope you all win some bets this week, and we'll see you before the next UFC card next week. Peace. Peace out, fellas.